Hear now the word of the Lord from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for gathered worship where we can sing and confess and be encouraged with assurance of pardon because of Christ. Help us now as we look at your word to see Jesus and him clearly and to love him. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. What cause or love drives your life? Or let me put it this way. For whom or what are you willing to risk or even give your life? Let's walk through a scenario. I am a Tennessee college sports fan. I know, your pity. I can feel your pity. Um, football, baseball, basketball, tiddlywinks. If the University of Tennessee had a marble team, I would probably check the score. I mean, I just, I love it. I, but I really love Tennessee football. My beloved and beleaguered balls have now lost to the University of Alabama 14 years in a row. I was almost certain I was going to hear something called out when I said that. God's mercy is upon me. And what was once a storied rivalry has devolved into an annual whooping. There's just no way around it. On October 24th, 2009, 11 years ago yesterday, actually, my beloved volunteers were down 12 to 10 with four seconds to go. The offensive line lined up. There was going to be a 44-yard field goal attempt by Daniel Lincoln. The center snapped the ball. The kicker kicked the ball, and then it happened. Do you remember what happened? Alabama's lineman, Terrence Mount Cody, through his big lineman hand, John Madden would call it a paw, but I'll call it a hand, threw his hand up, and he blocked the kick, and that was it. Game over. 
No time on the clock. That was the last time we came that close to beating the Crimson Tide. Now, if in some strange intersection of football and life, I was given the opportunity to give my life for that win, if there was, if there was some act of service that I could go back and render, like serving Terrence Cody a bad burrito on game day, something, if I could have done it and it would have cost me my life, would I have done it? Do I love Tennessee football more than my life? No. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Of course I don't. It's a football game. I love my life more than Tennessee football. And you may say, Eric, that is so stupid. You may say, that is so stupid. I know it is. I know it's stupid. I spent some time this week pondering, is there any cause? Any cause at all? far more important than college football, that I am willing to give my life for? Do I believe in someone or some movement to the extent that I will risk my life to see the cause go forward or the person served? Now, I know the Sunday school answer, and you know the Sunday school answer, right? I'm a Christian, so I would... Give my life for the sake of Christ. Would I? Would you? Now let's be honest with ourselves this morning. Let's do some heart level diagnostics. Do we love Jesus and his gospel more than we love our own lives? And if we do, what will that look like? And if we don't, how would we get there? Now let me give you one paragraph of background so that we can orient ourselves in the passage at hand. From the text this morning, we can learn a few things. As Jimmy has mentioned throughout the series, Paul is in prison of some sort, and he's awaiting a verdict or action of some sort from his captors. He's waiting to see how it will go with him before he can send Timothy. And Timothy's there with him, serving him in his need. And the Philippian church, the believers in Philippi, have sent one of their own, Epaphroditus, to Paul with both word of how the church is doing and some sort of monetary gift to meet Paul's need. And Paul would like to send Timothy to the church to minister to them so that he could return with news of how they're doing and so Paul could be encouraged. But he cannot spare Timothy at this moment. So Paul has now, after some time, sent Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church. It's likely that Epaphroditus has, delivered, has himself delivered the letter that we're now reading from as he returned to Philippi. And in this letter, Paul highlights a few characteristics of these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and in chapter 3, he's going to tell the Philippians to keep their eyes on their examples. The examples that they have in Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. So, so let's see what Timothy and Epaphroditus looked like. Let's see what their lives looked like. Let's see how their love for Christ and his gospel was manifested in their lives. So get your scripture. 
Get, get it out. Got it? Okay. Look at verses 19 and 20. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. That is high praise. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your, well, your welfare. Paul has no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for the welfare of the Philippians. Paul then contrasts that concern for, for the Philippians' welfare with those who, he says, seek their own interests and not the interests of Jesus Christ. You see what he's just done there? Paul has said that the well-being of the Philippians is in the interest of Jesus Christ. Is that encouraging? Jesus is concerned with the well-being of Mountain Fellowship. That's basically what he's saying to us. And Timothy is selfless. Just a few verses back, Paul charged the Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Like Timothy. It's clear what he's doing here. Paul's comment that Timothy is the embodiment of this virtue, this not looking to your own interests, but serving others. Timothy is living this. Another way to say it might be, of all those who serve with me and who are learning to love this way, Timothy has truly grasped it. Okay? Selfless, sacrificial love for Jesus Christ, His people, and the sake of the gospel. Okay? Now we might think of the selfless love of a parent here. As I was driving to Tractor Supply earlier this week, the staff has already had to hear this story, but they'll have to endure it again. I'm driving to Tractor Supply, and I had to cut across the Aldi parking lot. Do you guys know where that is? It sort of comes down a hill. And as I came down the hill, I could see a woman was starting out of the store. And so, you know, I'm trying to figure out, do I need to slow down? Is she going to make it before I get there? So I start to slow down. And, as, and I slowed down as I came to a stop. I realized it was not just a woman. It was a very pregnant woman. Now, I know that term doesn't make any sense. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. I get it. Okay, so let's use some medical terminology. She was about to pop. Hopefully that helps. So, you know, often when, when women are, are carrying this extra weight as they bear their child, they'll sort of, have you ever seen them do this? Sort of lean back and put one hand back here. It's not just a, you know, striking, it's not voguing. It's, there's weight that needs to be offset. I may be getting in enormous trouble here. I don't know. But you all know what I'm talking about. This woman is not doing that. And as my truck eased closer to the, the crosswalk, I realized why. Walking beside her on her right is a little boy, maybe three years old. And she's got his hand in hers and she's giving him instruction as they walk, probably about how to cross this street safely and looking both ways and those sorts of things. And then I notice in her left arm, she's carrying her daughter. 
maybe 18 months old. Her daughter is carrying a baby doll. Can you imagine this scene with me? I was struck by this image. This woman is basically carrying or leading four children across the parking lot. Sure, one of them is made of plastic and cotton, but still, it was extra weight. In her womb, one. At her side, one. In her arm, one. In her arm's arm, one. And I thought to myself, this woman has no regard for herself. She has no regard for herself. She counted those children of more significance than herself. And I highly doubt that that ended when they got to the car. You see, once they get to the car, there's the car seat and the booster seat and the little baggies of Cheerios and a CD she's heard 10,000 times, probably an MP3. Then a nap, then play, then dinner, then baths, then stories, prayers, toy cleanup, exhaustion. Love. I know it's love because I watched my wife Sarah love our four this way for a decade or more. This is the kind of love that Timothy had for Paul and for all whom he served in the cause of Christ. His presence and service of the Philippians would have been selfless and beautiful. But sadly for them, Paul could not spare Timothy. Not yet. So he sent Epaphroditus back. Now, it's with Epaphroditus that the multiple dimensions of this love come into focus. Look at verse 25 with me. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Epaphroditus loves Jesus. He has served alongside Paul and Timothy. He loves them. He loves the call and the cause of the gospel. But his heart is torn because he longs for his brothers and sisters at Philippi. Leaving them to minister to Paul must have been extremely difficult for him. And listen, he gets sick like to the point of death on this mission that the Philippians have sent him on. We don't know all the details, but as we look at the Scripture, we start to get the picture that Epaphroditus became ill either on the way to take the gift to Paul or in connection with this act of service in some way. Regardless, like Timothy, he showed no regard for himself, finishing the task at the risk of his very life. Look at 29 and 30. Receive him, that is Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He nearly died for the cause of the gospel. Epaphroditus strove with every ounce of energy 
through every chill of sickness, through the pain and the despair that threatened to take him, he completed his charge as he poured out everything he had left for the sake of Paul and Christ and the gospel. And I have little doubt that as he did so, these words of Jesus were ringing in his ear. We've already seen them once today. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's will save it. That makes no sense, humanly speaking. Lose your life to save it. Spend all of your energy to save your life, you're going to lose it. Doesn't make any sense, humanly speaking. But Timothy and Epaphroditus understood it. Now let me ask us all, are you like Timothy, ready to spend your life in service to others for the sake of Jesus Christ and His gospel? Are you, like Epaphroditus, ready to risk your life for the sake of Jesus Christ and His gospel? Do you believe that losing your life, the life you think you want, the life the culture tells you you should want, for the sake of Jesus, will mean that you will actually save and find life, the life God wants you to have. Do we believe this? Be honest with yourself this morning. I had to be very honest with myself this week as I wrestled with this. You see, it's safer, it's far safer to be honest with God and yourself than it is to minimize this truth before us. There are those on this lawn this morning who, like Epaphroditus and Timothy, have counted the cost of following Jesus and have found Him worthy. You are living lives unto death if necessary for the sake of Christ and His gospel. Your lives are lives of selfless service to Jesus Christ. I honor you this morning. Verse 29 says we should honor such people, so we do. We honor you. And your application this morning to this scripture may simply be rejoice. Smile the Lord has led and you have responded. Rejoice that your life is such a pleasing aroma as you daily pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Rejoice. We need you. We need your love, your service, and your example. But to the rest of us, let me say this. This call to lay down our lives for others and for the gospel is not easy. No, it's actually impossible without the Spirit's work. It's impossible without the Spirit's work. And those who have begun to do it are simply working out their salvation with fear and trembling. 
They're lifting that weight that Jimmy showed us last week, being supported by the promise of God on one side and the power of God within us. Because it's God who wills and works this in our lives. But if you have been honest with yourself this morning and you would say, Eric, I just don't want it. I I don't want that. I know I should. I, I believe in Christ. I know what he did for me. But I am not ready to live that life. Let me point you to verse 22. There is great hope in verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. As a son with a father, Timothy served with Paul in the cause of the gospel. If you think Timothy just woke up one day knowing how to live this life for the sake of others and for the sake of Christ, let me suggest otherwise. You see, right here in verse 22 is perhaps one of the most beautiful hows in all of Scripture. Rachel, where are you? Can you come up here a second? This is my daughter, Rachel. Is that microphone about right for you? Point it up just a little bit. There you go. Can you hold this and don't poke your eye out with it? Are you a master craftsman, Rachel? No. No? Okay. You've done a little woodworking at school though, right? Okay. But you wouldn't say you're ready to build and install sloped stair handrails, right? No. Okay. All right. You see, yesterday, Rachel served with me in the cause of craftsmanship. Yesterday, we installed together a set of wooden handrails. She didn't know much about the process when we started, but let me show you something. Rachel, what's that tool called? A hammer drill. A hammer drill. What does it do? It drills holes in stuff like bricks and rocks. Okay. Why why did we want to drill holes in brick? So that we could put screws in them. Okay. She's right. Did you know any of that before we worked together yesterday? Why do you know now? Because you taught me. Okay. That's the right answer, by the way. That's good. You, you can put that drill over there carefully and set it down. Friends, that's verse 22. You don't want to give your life for others yet? Live your lives in the, under the apprenticeship of those who do. You don't want to even think about risking your life for the sake of Christ yet? Live your life with and around people who have and do, and you will learn. My 14-year-old daughter knows what a hammer drill is now. And that's because she spent time with me yesterday. And what I know and have learned from other people, I was able to pass along to her. Now, we are not taking the Spirit's work out of this process. I'm trying to invite you into your part of it. You see, Timothy and Epaphroditus did not just wake up one day faithful ministers of the gospel. 
Their servant hearts were forged in the furnace of discipleship at the capable hands of Paul and others. Now, I want to ask us all this morning, who are your influencers? That's a big term these days. I've learned it from my children. Just take a second. Who are your influencers? YouTubers? TikTokers? Tucker? Sean? Coaches? Politicians? Who is shaping your view of what real life looks like? What the good life looks like? Listen, are you currently living your life under the regular influence of those who will show you how to love Christ more than you love yourself? That is what happened to Timothy and Epaphroditus. Seniors, I know there's a couple here. When you get to college next year, if that's what you choose to do, will you seek out people who can regularly influence you and teach you to follow Jesus and to live and die for Him and others? I strongly suggest it. Strongly. Are you a young Timothy living and learning from a Paul? Or are you going it alone? Do not expect to wake up one day ready to follow Jesus with this kind of love. Put yourself under the influence, the regular, daily, hourly influence of those who can teach you how. And honor them. So as I close this morning, I'm going to do that. I just want to honor a few of the men and women who have shown me how to follow Him. I honor my mom and dad for getting me up and taking me to church almost every single day of my childhood. I can't remember an exception, but I'm sure there were some. I honor them. Ramona, who taught me the books of the Bible on Sunday nights in my small Bible church as a kid. Grover Dunn, the first man I ever heard preach the gospel with passion. Ron Lowe who told me the truth, the hard truth about my sin and the glorious hope of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Camp counselors, Joey and Ed and Brad and Tim, high school ministry leaders, Jim Hines and David Haskins, and for the hospitality of Mary Jane McBride and Doc that made that ministry possible by opening their home. I honor... College ministers, people who ministered to me in a very impressionable time, people like David Burke and Anna Cook. Pastors that I had a blessing of serving with and for, Joe Hishma and Jim Suddeth, Rankin Wilburn, Mike Milton, Joel Trike, and Robert Rowe, Tim Tinsley. I honor Mike Lapahuska who carried me in my faith when I was so weak I could not walk in it. And older friends who showed me what ministry looks like 
in retirement years like Dave and Peggy Neighbors. For my brothers and sisters and fellow workers, Sarah, my wife, and T.W. and Steve and Forrest and Jonathan and Nathan and Jimmy and Jennifer and Stacy. And the, listen, the list goes on and on and on and on. You see, I have a family tree of faith. Its branches reach into every year and every sphere of my life. Some of these men and women pursued me for the sake of Christ and His gospel. Others I pursued because I saw in them a vibrant life of faith that I wanted. And I wanted them to influence me so that I could have it. You don't want this yet? This is how. This is the beautiful how of verse 22. Be as a son to a father in the gospel. Find those who can lead you across a parking lot and carry you if necessary until you are safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. And when you do, you will not be following their footsteps only. You'll be embracing the one who lived and gave his life for you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners. I invite you to come and live and die for a person and a cause truly worthy of your precious life, the cause of Christ and His gospel. He died that we may live. Now let us die that others may see Him and love Him. Let's pray. Lord, many of us this morning don't want this life yet. We love our lives more than we love you and your gospel. So help us. Help us first to want to. Help us to find those who can influence us that our lives may begin to look like your beautiful life, Jesus. And we pray in your name.